As a science writer, I'm expected to know a thing or two about particle accelerators. Admittedly, physics, not least of all of the quantum variety, is kind of a new beat for me, so I'm still learning. But you don't have to be an expert to know that the last place you'd want to get your head stuck is in a particle accelerator. So you're probably already familiar with one such machine, the Large Hadron Collider, but that isn't the world's only particle accelerator, nor was it even the first. Our story takes place in Russia, which was then still the Soviet Union, in the summer of 1978, when a scientist named Anatoly Burgorsky got his damn head smashed by a laser and lived to tell the tale. So Burgorsky was a researcher at the Institute for High Energy Physics, which had been established in 1963, adding a 70 GeV particle accelerator to its lab in 1967, which was, for about five years, boasting the largest proton energy in the world. The U-70 synchronotron is still the highest energy accelerator in Russia, and you'd better believe that in the late 70s it was definitely a feat to be beat. The team won the Lenin Prize for its development, and working with it certainly would have been an exciting opportunity for any researcher. Rogorsky's close encounter with the accelerator was not, however, the result of some intense self-experimentation or scientific self-sacrifice. No, he only meant to get a closer look at a piece of equipment that wasn't working, thereby gumming up the works in terms of atom smashing. As a quick aside, particle accelerators are in essence giant radioactive lasers. So the fact that Vergorsky investigated the malfunctioning equipment by sticking his head into the particle accelerator to get a better look is ill-advised and kind of unfathomable. But that's what he did. And while he may not have gotten a good look at the wonky part, he did get a face full of laser beam, traveling at the speed of light and colliding with the back of his head straight through his skull and passing out his face about at the level of his nose. He saw a flash that was, quote, brighter than a thousand suns, which would be a familiar and not at all exaggerated description of other massively radioactive events like, oh, I don't know, an atomic bomb. But remarkably, he felt no pain, at least not at that present moment when he was exposed to that dose of radiation via a beam that was 2,000 gray when it entered his noggin and 3,000 when it left. Now a gray is a unit of measurement for the energy absorbed by ionizing radiation. And generally speaking, five grays will kill you within two weeks and he had been exposed to several thousand. But that was in terms of the normal ways in which one might be exposed to radiation, not by having one's head blasted by a proton beam, because that had kind of never happened before. So the physicians who were treating Bogorsky assumed that he would be dead within days. The most immediate effect of his exposure was that the left side of his face, which had taken the biggest hit from the beam, started to swell up until he wasn't even recognizable. Curiously, he seemed to be otherwise fine, and he kept on pretty much being fine. He didn't die, though he did become deaf in his left ear and developed a pretty obnoxious amount of tinnitus. Over the next couple of years, the left side of his face ultimately became paralyzed. Much later, he would start to develop seizures, though these were really the only neurological effects that he experienced, and they weren't even in the immediate aftermath of his accident. He did 
did start to have trouble with mental fatigue, but his intellectual capacity remained intact, and he actually did go on to complete his PhD, which is really not bad considering he'd had a radioactive beam cut through his brain. But the one side effect that was really puzzling, and honestly kind of magnificent if entirely unintended, was something that only became apparent in the more recent years of his life. So if you look at Bogorsky today, who is now in his 70s, you'll see that half of his face has aged normally and has wrinkles and all of that, but the left side seems to be sort of caught in time and is perpetually youthful. Something that many of us would probably try to achieve through Botox, but that he seemed to achieve with a singular, extremely high dose of what we would assume to be fatal radiation. So Bergorsky stayed working at the research lab as a coordinator, but couldn't actually discuss the accident for many, many years due to the Russian government's policies about discussing nuclear activities and in general just wanting to keep their program a secret. He did eventually marry, had a child, and continued to get regular medical care at Moscow's radiation clinic. In 1997, he told Wired that he did find some kind of strange solace in communing with other people who had experienced that kind of accident. Quote, like former inmates, we're always aware of one another. There aren't that many of us, and we know each other's life stories. Generally, they are sad tales. So his is actually kind of sad too. Over the years, he expressed interest in making himself available to Western researchers because he said that he is, quote, an unintentional test of proton warfare, the human capacity for survival being tested. And this was something that he was particularly interested in doing in the mid-90s when he was denied disability benefits, which would have helped him to get the epilepsy medication that he needs to treat his seizures. But he has never been able to afford to leave Russia, and as far as I can tell, I haven't seen anything updated on his story uh, for a while, but it sounds like he kind of has continued to uh, receive medical care to sort of monitor these chronic effects and has continued to only have like one half of his face age at a normal rate, um, but also lives somewhat in abject poverty. So it's a really sad story, but it's also like incredibly fascinating. And I'm really actually quite puzzled by the fact that nobody in the U.S. has sought him out and offered to bring him here, uh, if anything, to study, you know, the effects of radiation as he would intend, but also just to do even some kind of study on the human body's remarkable and mysterious capacity to survive that kind of trauma.